We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. You gotta admit, it's hard not to laugh looking at everyone's pained faces from this first <laughs> day of fasting. Okay. okay, we're gonna jump right into, into the uh, material. So last time when we left off, uh, a couple of the key points we made uh, include uh, that the goal or the approach to take to scripture is on the one hand, it is teaching how to look at reality. How does reality operate? And then number two, how to navigate reality in the way that it operates. And one of the most obvious points of that is think back to the time of the companions of the prophet, may peace be upon him, that the prophet is telling them that okay, you have a life after this life, which then means what? That you that your actions have a double consequence. That your actions have a consequence in terms of the here and now, and then your actions have a second consequence, a bigger consequence in the hereafter. And so that right there is the prophet, peace be upon him, in their time, beginning to alter their understanding of reality, or we might say to correct their understanding of reality. And so those big points, all of us understand that Allah Ta'ala communicates with creation through the appointment of prophets and such, peace be upon them all. And our goal is to get to even the smaller nuggets that we find throughout the, the text, inshallah. So uh, one question uh, uh, here is, was there no concept of the afterlife in the area before the prophet, peace be upon him. There was definitely among the Christians uh, uh, at the time, whereas the majority opinion seems to be among the idol worshipers that once you're dead, you're dead, that there is nothing else. In fact, that was one of the pushbacks that they gave that are you telling us that we're gonna be raised from bones and scraps and such? And, and, and the answer was yes, exactly, that you're gonna be, just as it was easy for Allah to create you the first time, it is easy for Allah to raise you up too as well. And so, and in related to that, I was just answering a question. Uh, by all means, any of you, if you have questions, feel free to interrupt. And as mentioned, I'll tell you if, uh, I'll try to answer right away if it's relevant or I'll postpone either to later on in the class or the term or outside the class. Okay, so those of you who remember the class from last year, you know how much I enjoy getting on the whiteboard and with that. Uh, the whiteboard. So we said that the the other big point to really remember is that we said that a foundation of Islam, so so reality, a foundation of Islam is connection and relationships. which all of us, I believe, actually just know and understand, but this is also the most uh, uh, ignored or taken for granted part of the, of the deen, that when we are often looking for answers in Islam, very often we're looking from the perspective of, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? And, and I mean, I've even gotten questions like that today. I've gotten questions like that yesterday. I get questions like that all the time. But if you actually think about your practice of Islam, how does it truly manifest? It manifests in how you conduct your relationships. And you'll hear me quote over and over again, the narration attributed to the prophet, may peace be upon him, 
where he said that I did not come except to perfect character. And character is how you interact with people. And, and to especially understand this, uh, some of you have seen this drawing from me before, and you're gonna see this drawing many times over the course of, of this month, inshallah, is to imagine if the whole practice of Islam could be drawn, it's basically this. That at the bottom here, we have your basic or foundational theology. And this is only the theology, the amount of theology that you need. So think back to yesterday when we were speaking about the Islamic sciences. <clears throat> uh, I mentioned in theology, there is aqidah. And within aqidah, the goal is to figure out, to understand what is concrete in the realm of the unseen. And to connect that with the word aqidah, the idea of binding, that if I believe in the shahada, that there's no God but God, Muhammad's a messenger of God, peace be upon him, what else do I need to believe? And so we're talking about essentially a paragraph of, of material, your basic theology. And we'll speak later on why this is important. And then basic law. The basics of Islamic law and then learning anything else as it becomes relevant to your life. So, for example, if you don't plan to go on Hajj for the next 10 years, right now, all you need to know about Hajj is that it's an obligation. You need to know nothing about the Hajj. Outside of this period of time, you don't need to know anything about the rules of Ramadan. And so if you're not eligible or if you're not uh, obligated to give Zakat, you don't need to know the rules of Zakat. And I make this point because often there are these, these classes over and over again, the thick of this, the thick of that, and so forth and so on. And you feel like you're learning all these things, but all you're gaining is a bunch of weights on your head, a knowledge that is not necessarily relevant to your life. And more often than not, when you're seeking to figure out what is Islamically appropriate in terms of conduct, if you can identify what is the most wholesome behavior, that is probably going to be the most Islamic behavior. And then here we have your relationships. And on this side, we have service and justice. And I'm also emphasizing how big these are by the size of the blocks. I would actually, if it was easier for me to write that thin, I would make the bottom two super thin layers. The emphasis being that the whole of your Islam is in how you conduct your relationships and then your work in serving others and the work of justice. What's the difference between service and justice? Service is giving others food, giving others sadaqa, right? Giving others charity. Justice is figuring out those, is, is changing those systemic problems that are holding people down. Okay, so this is a drawing you're going to see over and over again through the course of the course. And we're saying through the example in Al-Fatiha of the Ba, we see one of the foundational aspects of all of Islam. 
And, and think about this, even when we speak about right and wrong, wrong actions, sins, what is the effect of a sin? It is straining or breaking a relationship that you have. If I tell you a lie, okay? first of all, I'm not respecting the relationship and I'm not respecting you. And effectively, I'm risking breaking my relationship with you. If I break a trust that you give, that you impose, that you put on me, okay? I'm breaking a relationship. And think of other sins, my relationship with Allah. If I'm skipping prayers, I'm breaking my relationship with Allah. And thus, the good deeds are often the reverse. They're either sustaining or they're reinforcing relationships. Now, a good deed is a good deed because Allah says it's a good deed. A sin is a sin because Allah says it's a sin. But we're looking at what is the effect of these things. Now, having said that, we can add some more. We are saying that then the goal is to develop a connection with Allah. This is exactly where we left, left off last time. So if we go to Al-Fatiha, and I'm pulling it up even though all of us have it, inshallah, etched into our hearts in multiple ways, inshallah. We have a simple map on how to develop a relationship with, uh, with Allah Ta'ala. So can you all see the, the Quran on the screen? Yeah, okay. So he spoke about the B of Bismillah, Ism Allah, Rahman Rahim. So Bismillah, Rahman Rahim. And then number two, Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen, Rahman Rahim. Number three, he's the Malik, Maliki Yomuddin. Number four, worship and seeking help. Here we have literally a roadmap on the different components and how to develop a relationship with Allah. And so let's go through this piece by piece. This whiteboard. I don't know if Jenna's in the class right now. My daughter was in the class yesterday. She said I was talking so fast. It sounded like one run on sentence. So if you all feel the same way. It's Ramadan energy. Okay. So what do we say was the first step in developing connection with Allah? It's to get to know who is Allah. I think this is intuitive. This would make sense that the first thing I need to know is who, who is Allah. And you can say the names or the attributes. Of, of Allah. And the first name or attribute of Allah to get to know is the name Allah itself. And so moving from there, what are we then saying? That <clears throat> to help get to know Allah, I need to get a deeper understanding of the meaning of this word. So those of you who've taken my classes over and over through the years, I uh, apologize for the repetition, but hopefully it'll help the uh, points sink in. There are two common theories in terms of the history of the name of Allah, of the history of the name of Allah. One is that the name of Allah has always been around. 
earlier than Arabic itself. Is it the first word ever? You know, who knows? I don't know how you even prove that. But it is at least, one theory is that it is at least as old as Arabic and as old as whatever the language is that, that eventually became Arabic. The other theory is that it is a contraction of Al-Ilah. And then I'm going to give you a definition of what does it mean to take something as an Ilah. So you're familiar with this word because we say it in our Shahada, La Ilaha Illallah. And so five common definitions of what does it mean to take something as an ilah. Whatever it is I rely upon in my core above all else to take me from danger into safety is what I take as an ilah. So for example, if I was gonna go on a road trip, uh, I would take my cell phone, I would take some money some of you would probably take a gun. Some of you who think you're really cool probably take a really big knife, you know, for the purposes of, of, of safety and such. And, and then suppose you lose your car. Suppose you lose your, your gun, your cell phone, your credit cards, all your cash. Then what do you rely upon? You may rely upon your intellect but let's say you're in such a foreign environment that that's not even helping you. Then what do you do? Do you fall into despair? So once you remove everything else, you'll see what do you take as your ilah. That is what you are dependent upon. So whatever you rely upon to take you from danger into safety, whatever you rely upon to take you from despair into hope, So the way many people in our society turn to the bottle to take them out of despair and to bring them into hope. What do you take, what do you do if you do not have the bottle with you? That is what you take as an ilah. Or to take you from confusion into clarity. Confusion. This is especially relevant in our era of social media and fake news. When you're getting bombarded with ideas and pontification and all those things, and it becomes hard, it becomes hard to figure out what is truth, what is not truth. So you may rely definitely upon your intellect for this, but even then, you may reach a point that your intellect is not enough. So what are we taught that in as we're approaching end times, what should you do as a protection from al-Masih al-Dajjal? That you recite Surah al-Kahf on, on Fridays, but can you figure out a rational explanation why? Okay. Who knows, maybe it'll become relevant at some point. Whatever it is you rely upon for comfort above all else, and then whatever it is you worship. So the analogy of the usage of the meaning of comfort as it pertains to ilah is think of the way a baby relies upon mom for comfort. So whatever it is you rely upon for comfort and then whatever it is you worship. And by worship, the word that we're translating here is ibadah that we will see again in a moment. But you'll all remember if we've taken courses with me before, what does worship mean? If I use the arrow, that's gonna confuse everybody. It means to give your most extreme love. 
So above the type of love you have for a beloved, above the type of awe you have for someone to whom it is you give your most extreme love. So there's a level of love which is synonymous with complete voluntary surrender. That is what you take as an ilah. And so a couple of questions here. Uh, one, can you take screenshots of the board and stuff and send it to us? Okay, somebody remind me at the end of a class, I'll give you a link where I'm uploading all the recording addresses as well as the whiteboards, inshallah, these whiteboards. And then the question is, is the assumption here that all people have something that fulfills these five functions regardless of belief? Yes. Everyone takes something or some things as ilahs. So I might self-identify as an atheist and and yet I'm still relying upon something to fill any and all of these needs. And now it may not be one thing, maybe 15 things that I'm turning to. So everybody, especially this last point, everybody surrenders to something. Okay. So one way to connect with Allah is by the names of Allah. And the first name is to develop an appreciation for the name Allah itself. And so take some time, and this is not an official assignment, take some time and reflect on the relationship that you have with Allah, not what it should be, but where is your level of reliance on Allah in relationship with other things? So for example, suppose you lost your income and you lost your house and you have no place to go. Then what is the nature of your relationship with Allah in those moments? But this is a reflection we'll be doing over and over again throughout the text. And that's why I'm just only introducing it as an idea. Okay, so then we have a couple names through which to further get to know Allah. And these are Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. So this is one, let's call this A. Then we have B, Ar-Rahman. Let's see, Abraham. So you all recognize that the root word here, in fact, let's put it on a different page. The root word is Rahima. You know, from which Rahima comes, from which Raham comes. And in the point that, uh, that uh, we always have to emphasize is that when we translate this as mercy, we're only translating half of it. The other half of it is intimacy. Meaning what? <clears throat> that if I am giving you mercy, what does that mean? I'm giving you ease. I'm making your life or that moment easier. but it becomes intimacy when you recognize that I'm doing this for you. And then the bond, oh snap, relationship, the bond forms stronger when you respond with gratitude. 
So the idea of rahma is an intended cause and effect. The cause is that you've been given ease. The effect should be shukr, should be gratitude. But if it is ingratitude, then it is actually rejection of faith when we're speaking about Allah. So again, what are we saying here? We have Allah, then we have me. So then Allah gives me, he gives me rahmah, he gives me ease. It could be something very seemingly simple, like the moment we're in right now, where I have peace and quiet. Even this moment right now, uh, I'm forgetting that I'm hungry, or that I'm just completely energy drained. And then, then what else uh, are we doing? Then we have the question of my response. And my response is either So my response is either what word would we use to me not being merciful or not, I'm sorry, not recognizing or not accepting the mercy of God in Arabic, meaning the opposite of shukr in the context of the mercy of God. Yes, it would be kufr. So one of the essences of rejection of faith is to refuse to recognize the mercy that God is giving me. So we're going to define this word kufr a number of ways over the course of these few weeks. This is the first way we're defining it. And so it becomes intimacy when I'm recognizing that the mercy giver is giving me mercy. And then I am responding with gratitude. Because now I'm developing a bond with Allah. So bring us back to this screen. When we speak of Allah as Rahman and Rahim, so again, basic Arabic grammar, we're saying that with Allah's Rahman, he is the highest in Rahmah. In Rahim, he is the eternal in Rahmah. And then commentators say that when you see these two paired over and over again in the Quran, the analogy of the first one is like uh, rain, and the analogy of the second one is like a mother's love for her child. And what does that mean? When we're speaking of Allah as Rahman, that there is an aspect of his rahmah that is for everybody, regardless of whether people accept it or believe in him or not, like the rain in the sky. Then Rahim is particular. So if we give a literal translation, it's eternal in mercy. 
but obviously not eternal in mercy for everybody. And so Rahim becomes what? It's uh, like a mother's love for her child in the sense that suppose she is babysitting five children in addition to her own. And here she is going to love all five children, but not the way she loves her own child. So Allah has a unique relationship of Rahmah with each of us. On the one hand, all of us are getting the sun from the sky. On the other hand, the relationship of Rahmah, the Rahmah that Allah Ta'ala is giving to Nur is different than to me, which is different than to Musab, which is different to, uh, to, uh, compared to what he gives to Asim and to Ulfat and so forth and so on, Dosif and everybody else. And so, so a point to then infer, especially from the idea of Rahim, is that in Allah's relationship with you, you and I are being given 100% unique focus at every moment of your or my existence. So we have a narration that says that, you know, that, uh, that they forgot Allah and so Allah made them forget themselves. And so there are consequences to not reciprocating with consciousness of Allah, which we'll be touching on, inshallah. But again, what are we saying to, uh, uh, first is that the first connection I need to develop is with Allah. And the first step on getting a connection with Allah is to get to know his names. And the first names to get to know are Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So Allah is the word that appears more than any other word in the entire Quran, not including like conjunctions like wa. And then among the attributes that are most repeated are Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And think about how different it would be if the most repeated attribute was Al-Adl, was the just. We would still be fair, but that is not the relationship that is being expressed here. The relationship that's being expressed here is one to imagine it. Imagine it's a waterfall of mercy upon you, whether you see it or not. And that applies literally to every single person in this class right now. That there, if you have the capacity and the time to be in this class, then you can be sure there's a waterfall of mercy falling upon you. The challenge is to find it. Yasmin actually looked up to see if the waterfall is coming like from her ceiling. I'm going to check the plumbing. Okay. Uh, a question. So the intimacy is recognizing the deliverance of ease. Is intimacy something that the human has to create in his or her relationship with Allah or something that is discovered? Or is it an effect of gratitude? I'm saying gratitude itself is the development of intimacy. Because gratitude is targeted. It's focused on to whom is, is uh, am I being grateful? My cat meowed at something and I looked up for the record. Okay, for an accent. All right. Okay. Are you all only able to text me or something? All right. Sorry, computer literacy. I'll play with uh, how to fix that. Okay. Any questions about any of this so far? That the first step we have is, is that we have this connection that we seek to develop a connection with Allah and that happens by way of his name. So those of you who signed up for homework assignments, 
yesterday your homework assignment was to was to list out those 25 relationships and then organize them into concentric circles and then to figure out what you need to do to improve those relationships today's homework assignment if you have not already accomplished this is to start memorizing the 99 names of god at this point it's just to memorize them without meaning without uh commentary just memorize them it might be too ambitious depending on where you are to accomplish this by the end of ramadan uh, but give yourself a deadline so like for example if you do one a day that's probably good if you do two a week that's good as long as you keep moving forward so uh, uh the default chat is directly to you you have to switch to the group chat uh let me see if i can participate see participate oh wait, wait, wait hold on okay, did anything change in terms of chatability uh hazel's question do you want us to send you our homework uh, i'm leaving that option up to you if you send me your homework then we can further customize step two three and four for any of the homework assignments uh, according to whatever might be of benefit for you okay so we're already at 529 i still want to get to the second way to have a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. First way is by the way of his names and attributes. The second way is, um, the second way is by giving him a um, Now, hamd uh, translates as giving praise and gratitude. That's the word itself, thana or shukar. Yeah. But how do you give hamd a couple ways? One is just to, with your tongue, praise Allah. Alhamdulillah. That is one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is to reflect upon his greatness. And a way to reflect upon his greatness is then listed with three further attributes. So we have the hamd of Allah. We have A again. Now, why do we express the greatness of Allah? Why do we do hamd of Allah? Anybody? And you're welcome to use. Wait, are your microphones not able to be turned on either? Okay. So either type or microphone. Uh, why do we express hamd? What we're looking for is the core reason. So anyone give any reason, and we'll see if we can get something even closer to the core. If you want us to get used to having sugar, nice. And what about Allah? Is, yeah, go ahead. Is the mic, am I unmuted? No, I can hear you. And that might just be in my own head thinking about you. Dr. <laughs> so, you know, the reason I think of is okay. that it's first, it's good for your own soul. Okay. So, so there uh, we're speaking about the benefits for me, why I should. Mm. But why should Allah be given hamd? 
as opposed to why should the teacher of the class or someone who has helped you? What are reasons for why Allah? So Hazel is saying he deserves it. Okay. Uh, awesome thing to remind ourselves of the constant presence in our lives, actively recognize his greatness. So all of these are, are correct answers. What I'd like you to consider is that the core reason to give hamd to Allah is simply because he is Allah. Had Allah not done anything, not created anything, all hamd is due to him. Of course, I don't know how that would happen, but the point is that, that what I'd like you to consider that the core reason to give hamd to Allah is simply because he is Allah. And then from there, all the reasons that you all gave, either for or related to his greatness or for why ourselves we should do it, yeah, all those answers are 100% correct, Marshall. And then to help us figure out why, so he's the rub of all the worlds. And again, so that would be B. And then again, he is Rahman. So other ways to express the hamd and other ways to appreciate the hamd of Allah or the hamd, uh, hamd value, hamd, uh, hamdableness of Allah uh, would be that he controls and operates everything and guides everything. So in the same way that we said that he has a unique relationship of Rahma with every one of us, he is uniquely controlling and guiding everything that is in creation. And done so with the default of mercy. Okay, so on the one hand, I hope everything uh, is in some ways review. And on the other hand, one of the points I suggested in terms of how to approach the material in this course is you literally want to try to go with the approach that you don't know anything. And then when you're hearing terminology, especially terminology, which I'm sure all of you have heard the word Alhamdulillah, you know, perhaps infinity number of times, is to try to see how we are expressing these in the course of this class. And then as we go class by class by class, building on this, it will make it easier to comprehend how this is all answered. Okay, having said that, does anyone have any questions about anything at all? I am looking at how to save the whiteboard that we have here, whiteboard, save, okay. And let's see. When you say memorize the names, do you mean just the Arabic names or are you including the translations? Right now, all I'm saying is just memorize the Arabic names. If you do more, that is even better. But I'll just memorize the, the, uh, the Arabic names themselves. Musab asks, how do you get from regular love to extreme love? That we will be talking about, but the core answer of that is obedience of Allah. Obedience of Allah will bring you closer to Allah which will increase you, inshallah, of love to Allah. 
And then uh, Abdullah, you had a question. Okay, well, I was gonna ask from last time, you put history in the abstract uh, things, but uh, my question was, uh, could history in a way inform our actions in that it could teach us uh, what not to do in a sort of negative way? So I think uh, that is what we often do uh, with bits of history. And so, for example, if we were just speaking about the history of the life of the prophet, peace be upon him, we're speaking about 23 years of material or 63 years of material, yeah? Uh, but in terms of the actual number of bits that we take to affect how we might do things, I would venture that we'd probably take less than 30 bits out of 63 years of worth of, of, worth of material. So, and the same can happen with philosophy. With philosophy, I can look at philosophy um, with uh, ideas on how to conduct myself and such. But very often the first step of philosophy, and I don't mean philosophy in the Greek sense, I mean philosophy is, is more just to figure out what are relationships between things and how are things in, an, in a utopian sense to operate. And so that can inform my conduct. But if you compare that to law, Right, the idea of the whole of law, it should be practiced. Does that make sense? And by all means, uh, every one of you feel free to push back, to agree, to disagree, all of that stuff too as well. And we find this document. Uh, Aman, you have a question. Yeah, can you uh, elaborate more on the difference between Greek philosophy and philosophy? Uh, that we can perhaps do outside of class, but the short answer would be that uh, that falsafa is including the primary sources in some capacity in the conversation. I have a question. Assalamu yes. alaikum. Wa So for the, the piece about how the essence of Islam is relationships yeah. and connection with people, Mm -hmm. How does one, um, Bismillah? How does one get to extreme love, but not abandon relationships? Oh, very good question. Okay, so so the extreme love is ibadah that is only for Allah. And if you think back to the drawing, uh, the manifestation of Islam meaning the manifestation of my relationship with Allah, most of that is not in the five prayers of the day. That's obviously there, but how much of the day is that? Half an hour? You know, if you throw in 20 rakats of tarawih, you know, and all that stuff, then let's even say it's five hours. Out of 24, throw another, get rid of another eight for sleep. And so most of your interaction is the day-to-day -day with people. Make sense? Yeah, makes sense. And and so what I would suggest is is that we've been so conditioned to look at everything according to halalness, haramness, that the aspect of life that is most present before us is getting forgotten. We we all know it's there, right? How do you conduct yourself with your parents? How do you conduct yourself with your siblings? Think about, about how many narrations are about your conduct with your neighbors. And usually when I think of neighbors, we think of next door neighbors. A teacher of mine a couple of weeks ago was saying, no, your neighbors are the people who are in your proximity at any moment of the day. So not necessarily just the person who's, who's 
home might be near yours or apartment might be near yours, but the person who might be sitting in your train car with you. So this link um, is where I am updating. Uh, I'm posting all of the audio recordings of, of the class. And this is where I will also be updating all the whiteboards for when I remember to, uh, let's see, when I remember to actually save the whiteboards. Uh, let me see what are the questions. Uh, what are some effects of non-intimate relationship with a law? Wonderful question. So one of the consequences that can happen is that you reduce all of this to an academic exercise. That here is a law, here are the attributes of a law, as though you are expressing to me the attributes of a character in a story. Meaning when it is not embodied, that is one of the consequences. And and then to take that deeper, you're missing out on a lot of the richness of life itself. Uh, how to self-check if you are obedient or not. Uh, check with your parents to see if they determine that you're obedient or not, and they'll give you a really good answer to that question. A very accurate answer, whether you want to hear it or not. Baba is asking, any circle of mubah in relationships in Islam? Uh, most of it is mubah. Uh, but notice what has just happened is we're trying to even define relationships in Sharia terms. I'm saying that is the exact illustration of the problem. So if we're defining relationships according to Fard, Mustahab, Mubah, Makru, Haram, then we're already missing the key lesson here. But we are illustrating exactly Islam in America. Also, it's urban Islam in America. Yeah. Any other questions about anything at all? Any other questions? Yeah. Hopefully in a short period of time. Hey, wait, Ulfat, you're in the West, right? You're not in Egypt right now? Okay, so you're suffering just like everybody else here is as well. Okay, that's fine. All right. Zishan, are you in the West also right now? No. Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland is neither the East or nor the West. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Especially all those people from Ohio, you got to wonder about like late. Hey, late, let's see your tiny baby. Uh, you were holding your baby a few seconds ago. No, 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 okay, if the baby's sitting down, no, no, don't, don't lift with the yeah, Maybe we'll save the baby for, for another time. All right, uh, so it's been very nice seeing all of you. Steph doesn't mention the names of Allah, risk a non-intimate relationship. I don't even know what that means, but hopefully you can explain. Uh, but uh, uh, we will continue again, inshallah, tomorrow, little by little, with bricks building upon each and every one of these points. And, and then hopefully you'll find this to be of increasingly, steadily, more and more benefit fundamentally in how we live our lives. More fundamentally, how we conduct ourselves in a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Alrighty, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Oh, I should comment that those of you who are signed up for both classes, for these first week at least, both classes are going to be mostly identical except for random profound sentences here and there. So don't feel like you have to attend both, but if you do, we have to see you. Right, may Allah reward you all. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.